that at times newsrooms are not hospitable to Christians because we are so bound, journalists, in the empirical. We are so bound by things that we can see, touch, report. And so, you know, faith is not, you know, we know what faith is about. It is not about what is seen, but it is about what is unseen. This is Journalists Advancing Ministry, a new multimedia podcast about media professionals called to kingdom work. We explore their paths to ministry from media and ask the question, are journalists particularly suited for this? I'm your host, Yvette Walker, a former full-time journalist. Join me as we talk to reporters, editors, and other journalists who've answered the call of ministry. John X. Miller is a familiar name to many people in journalism. He has been senior editors at several newspapers, and he has worked for ESPN's The Undefeated, and actually has returned to the newsroom at the Dallas Morning News. But what people might not know about John X is that he is a minister. He is a pastor, and he is the head of an online ministry on YouTube. John X and I have known each other for a while, and we had a great conversation on why he decided to move in this direction. John, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's a pleasure to be here. It really is. I'm looking forward to it. Well, you know, you and I, um, we have had another life together in a sense of the word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, We, you know, we've known each other for many, many years when we were involved in journalism, in media. Um, But when I saw that you were uh, doing some good work for the kingdom, uh, I just thought, wow, that is amazing. I'm so happy to see that and thought I would have you on the show. So um, I'm sure that uh, your your experience and your walk is going to bless somebody today. So again, thank you. You're welcome. I do hope so. Yeah, we're okay. all disciples in our own, and we're all disciples in our own way. And so as we can spread the word, and and that that's a it's a blessing every time we get a chance to do so. Absolutely. So you are the Reverend John X. Miller. You are a minister at Heritage Fellowship Church in Reston, Virginia, and. Um, you know, you, I, I learned about your entry uh, into uh, into ministry based on some YouTube videos that uh, that was shared with me, and we'll get to talk about that a little bit later. Okay. But, but, um, but that's kind of you know that's kind of how I got to know that you were doing this, that you were actually uh, doing such good work for the kingdom. But let's, but we're gonna save that. Let's let's get to know you a little bit better. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit about you and how you have come to where we are today. And like I said before, you know, we knew each other uh, back when we were in Detroit, mm-hmm. Detroit, Michigan. We were both in journalism. Um, you know, I moved on, you moved on doing lots of great things. Um, so tell our listeners a little bit about um, what you've done and how you basically got to where you are today. Well, it's, uh, as as journalists, you know, journalists are known as as professionals who travel around, we're almost like missionaries, you know, we're almost like Paul, you know, traveling from place to place to place. And so that was kind of always in my spirit as a journalist, everywhere I went, I wanted to be able to give people uh, a part of who I was, who I believed to be a Christian man. And I've always been a devout Christian. I grew up Roman Catholic and I always had a thirst for kingdom work. 
Uh, when I was young, I, I nearly went to seminary to become a Catholic priest because I had in my spirit going to Catholic school, going to Catholic church, that I really had a faithful spirit and I wanted to serve. But early on, my father died. So that really precluded me from going to seminary because I needed to stay in with my mother and my sisters to kind of be the man of the house. But I never really lost that spirit to serve. And so uh, as I journeyed through college, as I journeyed through earlier part of my life, I always felt a calling to the church. And so journalistically, no matter where my family lived, I was always in the church. Uh, Baptist churches mostly, but also AME churches and Zion, AME Zion churches, no matter where we lived. And I was always called to work with the men's ministry and work with the choir ministries with men. And so as I progressed through life after my kids got out of college, and unfortunately I was divorced, then I felt God had called me to service, more direct service, since I didn't have a family to fend for. I was still in journalism, but the Lord took me to Hickory, North Carolina. Hickory, North Carolina, where I was the editor of the newspaper there, the Hickory Daily Record. And Hickory is also in the, in the middle of the Bible Belt. And so when I got there, I went to a Black Baptist church, Morning Star, First Baptist Church in Hickory, where I was ordained and licensed, and the calling really, really grabbed a hold of me there. Uh, and so I went to, to a school. I went back to theology school while I was at the newspaper as the editor, but I felt there was a calling there, so I was licensed and ordained in Hickory. Uh, and that calling really, really pulled me into service of trying to, to minister to men. Uh, because, you know, being a newspaper editor, you know, we, we always see the, 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 the evil and always see the trouble in the world and how it, how it surrounds men, how it pulls them into places, into things that if they might have had an opportunity to experience the Lord and experience salvation, they might not have been there. And so my ministry began to focus on ministering to men. And so while I was in Hickory, uh, I was a part of a, a men's council where regularly we minister to men in and around Hickory and in the Hickory's in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And that really became a calling for me. And while I was in Hickory, I really kind of decided that I wanted to, to, to pastor a church. But even though I was there and I had in my heart to do that, Lord had other things for me to do. And so I left Hickory, went to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which was my hometown, as the editor of the newspaper there. And I thought at that time that I was going to go to Winston, be the managing editor of the newspaper, retire at the Winston-Salem Journal, and then to go into ministry in North Carolina. Um, but God had other plans. And so he directed me. He brought me here to Northern Virginia now where I work for ESPN and a website called The Undefeated. But that also has given me the opportunity to minister to people that I would not have been able to minister to before. And so at Heritage, as, as one of the associate ministers, you know, my role is to minister to men. My role is to, to do as much outreach as possible. And as the pandemic took hold, I've been at Heritage about four years now. And so as the pandemic took hold about uh, a little over a year ago, I felt that it was necessary to spread God's word beyond the edifice, beyond the physical church, uh, because we couldn't assemble in churches anymore. And so we needed to go beyond that to spread the word. And so 
what came to me was an idea of starting a, a YouTube channel of praise and worship, uh, of meditation, of prayers, and of psalms, and to record these and to send these out over, uh, over, the, over, the, over uh, the, the transom, you know, just to, to push out God's word and then to, to let it fall where it would. And so I started the channel about six, eight months ago called, called Prayer, Prayers, Psalms, and Meditations. And then once a week or so, I record videos with music, video, prayers, and psalms. And occasionally I sing. And I send that to friends and family and others. And I just sent one out this morning. And Yes, uh, some, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> and someone from Hickory uh, uh, texted me back and said, you know, that word fell exactly where it needed to this morning i needed to hear that word i needed to to hear because i sent it was psalms several psalms and they said i needed to hear that word and so i understand now in this world that we live in that the word of god has a place in our lives if we allow it the word of god soothes us it inspires us it keeps us and there's nothing like the word of god now you know sometimes in our in our secular world we believe that there are things that can supplant the the, the peace that surpasses all understanding that the word of God brings, but there isn't. And so the meditating over the word, praying with the word, and even going to sleep with the word uh, it, through meditation and guided meditation soothes our minds and our spirits. Because one of the things that I've heard so much in the last year in the pandemic is that people were having difficulty focusing. People were having difficulty sleeping. Mm. People were having difficulty making sense of all the things that are happening around us. And so prayer is the solution, whether that solution is uh, corporately, whether it's a, a morning prayer, a group prayer call, or whether it's individual prayer. Prayer is the solution. And so in this world, I know that you know God has given us an opportunity to disciple. God has given us an opportunity to teach, uh, to evangelize. And, you know, using technology is one way to do that. You know, technology mm -hmm. is one of those ways that we can reach people outside of the, the church walls that we might not have been able to do previously. So true. So true. And I love uh, what you said. Well, I love several things, but and I'll go back to them. But the one thing about using technology to to soothe us, to, to use it by, you know, distributing his word and and to soothe us, there are there are a couple different um, apps that I'm aware of and that I use um, that I use to calm me and help focus me when I go to sleep. And usually I am out uh, even before we get to the end. Um, you're probably like I am and there are many people out there. You, you know, you, you think you're ready to go to bed, you're tired, you lay down and then your head, your brain just starts racing. You're thinking about all different kinds of things. And um, sometimes it's the goings on of the day. Sometimes it's um, you know, what we've seen on media, um, yes. and it's, it's hard to settle down. And so, um, you know, opportunities to listen to material like your YouTube channel and, and like these apps I was talking about, I think is, is such a help. I also love what you said about uh, journalists being like Paul. Uh, <laughs> we do tend to wander. And uh, a good friend of yours and mine, Walter Middlebrook. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say that he, I'm going to quote him because he was the first person I ever his, uh, heard say this, but he talked about separating journalists into two camps, the 
the locals and the nationals. I don't know if you ever heard him uh-huh. say that. Uh, I have, yes. And yeah, the locals are people who you know stay in one place for a while. The nationals are folks who who just go to you know work to several different markets, go to several different um, newsrooms. And um, I certainly was. I was the latter. Definitely, I was a national. Moved around quite a bit. Um, and so yeah, yeah. And and I don't know about you. You moved around, but. When I got to a new place, and most of the time I had no friends or family there, I would find a church, and I would, I would literally go into the church, sit down, just in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. I know there are some places now where churches are not even, you know, before the pandemic, oh, where, yes, some, no where sometimes churches are locked now. But but back then, back then, churches mm-hmm. were open. I would just go sit sit down in the pews and just center myself, um, because that's where. I knew I would, I would, I would find, I would find love of the love of God. And I would find basically someone I knew and that's, and that's Jesus Christ because I didn't know anybody else. And, and so that's, yeah, that's what I would do. It was always a place of solace for me, no matter what city I moved into. And I might not have actually gone to that church for services, but I would just randomly find one Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. just go, just go sit down, you know, like right when I got there. That's so important. That's so important yeah. to find a quiet space, particularly where there are like-minded people, mm-hmm. uh, and particularly in places where you know you know that the spirit of God resides, right? And yes. so you might be able to go to a library, you might be able to go to a park, but you know when you you go into a sanctuary, you know the spirit of God resides there. And you know, as Scripture says, you know Scripture, our spirit communes with God's spirit, with the Holy Spirit, and so. When we are in the presence of God, we recognize that our spirit recognizes that. And it brings about a peacefulness. It brings about um, solace. It brings about uh, a, a comfort that we can't gain elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And, so and I used to do the same thing when I went to, you know, I, I moved around, you know, six or seven or eight times. And every time I went to a location, I told people I'd find a church and a barbershop. Okay, <laughs> because the guys at the barbershop could tell you where the churches were, but mm-hmm. also the barbershop was a place where you could learn about the community in ways that you couldn't learn elsewhere. Um, and so that was that was my prescription. I would tell people, yeah, first thing you do when you go to a new town, find your church, find your barbershop or a beauty salon. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that'll get you acclimated pretty quickly. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. You and I have a lot in common, some things I didn't know. So I also was raised Catholic in Chicago and, okay. um, you know, went and went to elementary school, high school. I didn't go to a Catholic college, um, but there were times when I thought that I was going to be a nun. I mean, I, you know, I thought mm-hmm. this, and again, it, it takes me back to sitting in that church. And of course, those Catholic churches, um, and there are some that are newer now, but many of them are kind of old with the marble with the marble floors and the pews. And then you would just, you would go into the space and just sit down uh, and hear like the clicking of people's heels against the marble floor. And, you know, you would feel, you would feel that rough wood of the pew. And I just felt home. So there was a time when I was very young, you know, when I was in elementary school where I thought actually I'd be I'd become a nun. And I knew God had me for something, but as a journalist, I didn't want to say I lost my way, but I'm curious to see how you feel about the statement. As a journalist, I had to subjugate my faith publicly for many years. I felt I had to. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. Did you feel the same way? 
Well, for the most part, I, I recognize that as a Christian in a newsroom and dealing in a secular environment, that you couldn't reveal truly who you were to everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, particularly as a manager, and I was an editor mm-hmm. in lots of places, and so I, I would reveal myself only to people when they allowed me to. Mm-hmm. Meaning, meaning, if there was a moment of of, of anguish or or hurt uh, or a moment of of trauma in a newsroom, then I would, you know, offer a voice of empathy, and then that empathy would turn into counseling, Christian counseling, if if that I felt that way. But the yeah. one thing I will say in about the Detroit Free Press is that. With they had a re- religion reporter by the name of David Crum, and David Crum was one of the most astute religion reporters in the country because he talked about faith, not just talked about covering religion. Mm. And so, in that newsroom, I felt somewhat more hospitable to me because mm-hmm. early on, I identified other journalists in that room who were Christians, right? And so, then we could we could have conversations. We could talk about what was happening in the outside world among ourselves. And so that was very helpful. But mm-hmm. the one thing that you mentioned is that at times newsrooms are not hospitable to Christians because we are so bound, journalists, in the empirical. We are so bound by things that we can see, touch, report. And so, you know, faith is not, you know, we know what faith is about. It is not about what is seen, but it is about what is unseen. And it's about what we believe. And sometimes journalists, we become so um, uh, uh, cynical, right, that we believe in the negative, while faith allows us to believe in the positive. And so, yes, there are opportunities seldom in newsrooms to be faithful, uh, 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 practicing disciples in a newsroom. But when we find that safe space, um, it, it, it is a wonderful thing. But you have to find those like-minded people. Otherwise, you know, you could be ostracized or, or denigrated or, or marginalized um, because the same thing that happens in the world happens in our newsrooms. Mm-hmm. No, that is true. And I think it was when I moved into a position where I was managing um, the front page in particular, mm-hmm. I was making decisions that affected what went on the front page, mm-hmm. um, what stories went on the front page and how we played them. And mm-hmm. that, you know, that job and jobs since then in particular, uh, I just felt fair. I felt very, um, I guess I just felt like I wanted to remain as objective as possible. And of course, you know, in in journalism, we talk about objectivity. Um, But as you know, there's lots of trauma in the jobs that journalists, you know. So frankly, you know, covering, covering murders, covering child abductions, all of that, we have to almost become numb. And I think that that is something that I learned to do very well. Mm -hmm. And, um, but here's the funny thing. So I left, so moved around just like you went to Kansas city. The next, the next place I went to after the Kansas city star was to Oklahoma city, the Oklahoman. Mm. And I wasn't thinking about this at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew it too was the Bible belt. It was the buckle as they say, the Bible belt, but I wasn't really thinking about that. I was still, you know, basically doing what I did. I went to church one day again, happened to find a church. Just like you say, go find a okay. church and a, and a beauty shop. Mm-hmm. I went and I saw that the sermon that day was going to be, um, you know, given by uh, Robbie Trammell. And as I was sitting there in the in the pew, I said to myself, "Well, that's interesting. That must be a very common name here because Robbie Trammell was was 
the name of, of, of an editor, a colleague that I worked with at the mm-hmm. Oklahoman. I'd just gotten there. I didn't really know everybody. I didn't know what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, so he, the person walks up to the pulpit to deliver the sermon, and it was this journalist, okay. a very, right. a very high, a very high-ranking journalist mm-hmm. in this newsroom. I'd never seen that before. Mm-hmm. I was, I mean, my mouth fell open. You could have knocked me over. And I said, okay, as they say, Dorothy, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. That is true. <laughs> this is gonna be different, maybe. Maybe I can actually start wearing my faith in the way that I want to. It took some time because, frankly, I was used to, I was used to keeping it undercover. Mm-hmm. I mean, people people knew I went to church, but I just I didn't I didn't proselytize. I didn't really speak out. I didn't do the kind of work that um, that I'm hoping God is allowing me to do now. Um, I felt like it was not appropriate. Right. Well, you know, I, I felt that same way in some ways at my job at the Winston-Salem Journal where I was managing editor. But but I had been managing editor also in Hickory. And so I had gained, a, as I was going through my, my education and, and becoming a, a minister and learning, you know, going to divinity school, I began to understand that how I can incorporate my Christian life into my work life. And so, and so as the managing editor there for about three years, I, I strove to make sure that the people in the newsroom knew that they could trust me for one. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, reporters and editors, they don't trust each other. They do maybe on the outside, but not intrinsically. The mm-hmm. second thing is that I made sure that there was, I treated people fairly mm-hmm. and that I didn't play favorites, right? Because, you know, in newsrooms, we play favorites all the time. That's true. And then the third thing is that I made sure that whenever I had conversations with people and, you know, in the newsrooms are very open. Right. And so every time I had a conversation with people, uh, with someone in the newsroom, I was very mindful that I was only talking to that individual. I was talking to anybody else in, the, who, in earshot. Right. Because we know journalists, be, they be listening more. You be talking to somebody, they, their ears get this big. Uh, and so I, I mean, was very mindful. So that. true. So true. And just and just a little comment on that. Um, folks who are listening right now might not know about this, but there's actually uh, a Twitter feed called "Overheard in the Newsroom." So yes, folks, yes. Are, folks are listening. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> oh, they're listening, boy! I'm telling you, they they act like they're uh, they're typing or something, but they're listening. And so I was very mindful of the conversations I was having in public. I knew I was having with more than one person. And so when instances came up where I could show my Christian love and Christian demeanor to people, that I knew that that would go a long way to letting them know and having those people who were Christians identify with me and feel comfortable with having conversations with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember one instance uh, before I left, um, there was a, 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 a young guy in the room who had two young daughters. Uh, who was a hunter? He was a he was a gun advocate. You know, he was you know he was uh, he was a, a good old country boy, right? Uh, but he was he was he was very uh, focused on kind of life, focused on kind of you know raising his family. But he was really in the world. Mm. Uh, and then um, out of the blue, his brother committed suicide. Oh, uh, and it was very tragic because. You know, his brother was uh, 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 worked at one of the local hospitals as a nurse. And so, you know, it was very public because it was uh, he was a nurse and people knew him. And so he struggled with that mightily for the first couple of weeks. And so one afternoon I said, come on into my office, John, let's talk. 
And and I knew he had it. He needed to let it out. I knew he needed to talk. And I knew he had, had to make some sense of it, right? Because mm-hmm. his father had committed suicide as well, right? Oh, wow. And so I knew he needed some way to at least allow that burden to, to be lifted from his from his spirit and from his mind in some ways. And so I just let him come in the office and just let him talk mm. and just let him talk. And he talked for about 10 or 15 minutes and he just started crying. And I just said, John, Hey, go ahead, man. Just let it out. Don't worry about it. You know, we, we know that God knows what pain you're going through, even though you might not understand it, he understands it. And eventually you may be able to understand it, but there is a reason behind it. You might not see it now, but there is a reason. And so we've remained friends uh, over these over these last five years since I've been up here in the D.C. area. Um, but it's because I allowed my Christian spirit, I allowed the, 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 the word, I allowed the Lord to do the work for me and yeah. not try to push it on to someone who might have been resistant to it at that time. Yeah. I allowed, the, I allowed the, the, the Lord and the spirit to lead the way. Mm. So there are people who are who are listening who, you know, might not be in journalism, but they might um, be in a workplace mm-hmm. where they feel very uncomfortable about living out their faith. What would you say to them? Well, I would say to them a, a couple of things. Firstly, we are all, no matter who we are, ministers, evangelists, people who sit in the pew every Sunday, we are all called to be disciples for Christ. And so we all have something that we can offer in this world to help other people to Christ. And so, you know, maybe just look for opportunities to minister to people, right? You know, mm-hmm. look for opportunities and when that door opens, walk through it. Or when that window opens, walk through it. Or, or, or not walk through it, but, but reach into it mm. to find a window into somebody's life, right? And so look for those opportunities. And they may not present themselves every day. And the other thing is, you know, living a Christian life allows people to see the Lord in you. And so, you know, yes. when, there's, when there's, when there's, you know, profanity over here or when people are gossiping over there, you know, extricate yourself from that. Right. Yes. And then after a while, people will say, well, you know, he, you know, he or she is not involved in that conversation. Why aren't they upset? Why aren't they buying into this? Right. And then that window will open. And when that window opens, then the Holy Spirit will give us the words that we need to say and the, and the things we need to do to allow that person to see Christ in us. Um, and and so I've I've become um, I've become kind of in the world uh, as as a as a looking for opportunities to do that anytime I reach reach uh, a public venue with somebody, not just in the office now. Right, because we're not in the office any much anymore. But even in the grocery store, right, or walking down the street, you know, you know, I, I struggled. For instance, when I first got here to DC, seeing all these homeless people, mm. right, and and I was like, oh Lord, how can I help someone I don't know? What help do they need as a Christian, as a pastor, as as someone who has? How can I help those who don't have? Um, and so I, I eventually began to just gather. Um, uh, you know, during the travels, because I traveled a lot for ESPN, then uh, I would get hotel products, you know, the little shampoos and the soaps and stuff. So I would collect those and keep those in little plastic bags in my car. And so when I would come across a person who maybe is homeless or down on their luck, I would just give them that, right? 
Right. Instead of, you know, kind of figuring out or, 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 or figuring out, but, but, but being kind of um, uh, paralyzed by, by not knowing what to do, the Lord gave me that, right? He gave me an opportunity to minister to people where they are by doing something very simple that normally I would pay no attention to. I don't use products in the hotel generally, <laughs> or if I do, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it's not to, to take them out and to use them elsewhere, but the Lord gave me that because I recognize that, that he will open the door for us if we are prayerful and allow us to understand how he can use us. So true. So true. So let's talk a little bit more about the, about the YouTube ministry. Okay. Um, so uh, you said you, you record about once a week. Um, does, how do you get, and I'm, and I, I know the answer, God gives it to you, but generally, generally, you know, how do you decide on what, uh, what Psalm or what meditation to, to use? Well, one, one way I do it is at, at Heritage, we have a morning prayer call every morning at seven o'clock. And so often I take the lead from those calls. Right? Mm. I take the lead from what people are praying for, what they're in need of. Um, and then I have all kinds of, of, of scripture uh, and books and, 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 uh, and uh, um, uh, not just books, but um, prayer manuals uh, and, and books that I will read and pray over and then get inspiration from those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I do that, then I'll just write a script, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then pray over the script. And then I, what I try to do is I, I will start with a prayer, and then I'll read a psalm or two, and then I look for music that I can find free on YouTube mm-hmm. to use for their videos. And then I usually are able to find videos that are again free that I can find and, and stitch those together. And I find a couple of programs that I use, um, iMovie for one, I use mm-hmm. uh, to do the videos. And then, as I said, the music is generally free. Mm-hmm. And, and then I stitch those together and make a video. And it usually process takes about three hours to do everything. But right. it starts with prayer. And, you know, I also look to look to kind of the happenings of the world, right? And so usually on Tuesdays, I begin to kind of, you know, think about what I want to, to do for the week. And, you know, what's on my heart for this week is, you know, all these, all the, all the shootings, uh, these mass shootings that have, uh, yeah. that have occurred in just the last month. I mean, you know, for, for a period there, there was, there was some silence, right? Yeah. Uh, but all of a sudden they're just kind of almost every day, these, these mass shootings where people are killing each other indiscriminately. And to me, that says that uh, uh, the evil is is escalating. Mm. That says that we need to be mindful of things around us in ways that we pray to help tamp down the evil. Right? We mm-hmm. need to, we need to have more robust prayer in our individual prayer life and in our corporate prayer lives to help God. Uh, well, to, to pray to God to hold back some of the evil in this world, because when you see, you know, men you know, uh, just and men generally, right? Not women, but when you see these, the spirit of evil overtake people at such a, in such a, 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 a maniacal way, you know that the devil is at work. Yeah. And so we have to pray that the Lord helps restrain this evil in the world, because if without that restraint, no matter where we are, no matter who we are, evil or trouble could befall us. And so, 
uh, I, I am very mindful of using kind of current events to fuel my prayer and to fuel my thinking about what people need to hear. Mm, I love that. And it is so easy for us to get caught up in the world. The world is an intrusion often. I mean, just now we were talking and there's a siren that goes by, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it is sometimes I think it's hard for us to, to step out of that world. So we have to learn how to, even though we know we are in it, we are human, we are in the middle of this stuff right now, but we, but we need to know where to go to, to get, to, to get our, to fill ourselves to get our rest, to put on the, the mighty armor of God so we yes, can be ready yes. for, for all this stuff that's going on. It's not going to stop. But no, it's we, not going to stop. It's how we react to it. It's how we fuel ourselves to be ready for it because it, it's just going to continue to go on. Well, because it's the world, right? You know, sometimes yeah. we, we, you know, and I think sometimes we fall prey to this kind of not understanding the 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 timeline, the ecclesiastical timeline that we're on, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people said, you know, people have always been bad. People have always been evil, which is true. But in some cases, I think that there is an intensity in the growing evil in this world, right? And that intensity, I think, is apparent just in the coronavirus, right? Mm-hmm. When we think of all the, the hundreds of thousands of lives that have been lost in a, in a callous fashion, Right. Some yeah. of these people did not have to die, but they were ignored. They were uh, they were marginalized. They were pushed aside. And because of that, that 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 callousness that that has allowed people's lives to to suffer. And so in, in my lifetime, in your lifetime, we can say we've never seen times like this. You sure. know, and so when we when I talk to young people in particular, you know, I have a daughter and a son, 35 and 33 years old, and they had COVID. They 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 uh, caught it, but they, you know, they, because they were young enough, they came out of it pretty well. They, they don't have any underlying symptoms now. But I told them that this is a sign that they need to continue to pray, not only for themselves, but to pray for the world so that other things like this won't befall them or their friends or or their uh, colleagues. Because if it affects them, who are who are, are uh, who are close to them, it can possibly affect them individually as well. And so I say to them, pray, pray always, pray with pray without ceasing. Um, and and so they kind of like, well, Dad, you the preacher, right? <laughs> said, well, you, you pray for us. I said, well, I always do pray for you, but mm-hmm. you but be mindful of praying for yourself. Yes. Um, because, you know, I can pray for you all I, all I can, but it's when you give your life to Christ, it's when you seek salvation more, uh, uh, more focused, then that's when the blessings will, can, will begin to pour into your life. Mm, so true. So true. And so well said. Uh, so the Lord directed, directed your steps, right? The yeah, Lord man, directed man. you uh, in many different ways. Um, I think there's people out there that he is doing that too, but people are unsure about what their role is or what they should do. Um, mm-hmm. In the midst of the pandemic, I can't tell you how many podcasts were birthed. <laughs> we, were, we were at home, <laughs> we were at home, and we fig- we figured out how to use the equipment, right? <laughs> uh, understandable, um, yes. So, so, so that is good. But I think that there are people who are wondering. Um, I think I think he wants me to do something. What should I do? Um, so, what should people do? 
they they have the willingness, but they mm-hmm. might not know what to do to to profess that message. Oh, that's 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 excellent. That's excellent because you know we're all called to be disciples, but we don't know how to disciple. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the ministries that at, at Heritage that I'm involved with is called Ambassadors for Christ. Mm. Okay, and so it, as disciples, we are all ambassadors for Christ. And so I fall back on uh, something that came about probably a decade ago. WWJD. Um, what would Jesus do? Mm-hmm. All right. And so if you begin that mindset of what would Jesus do it be, and understanding who Jesus was, firstly, is important. But that would take you out of the mindset of what, you know, what the world would have you to do and think about what would Jesus have you to do. And then once once you kind of have that conversation, then lead them to the Gospels, you know, take them to the Gospels mm-hmm. so that you can see what Jesus actually did. And then expand the conversation beyond the Gospels to uh, the epistles, because the epistles can are a great teaching tool to help us get through these times where the world is pulling on us so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when when I'm into elongated conversations, when I'm into, you know, singular conversations with people, you know, I go to Romans, the book of mm-hmm. Romans, mm-hmm. because Romans gives us a sense from what Paul tells us about how we should act in the world and how the world is uh, is uh, in opposition to God. And once we begin to understand how the, 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 the flesh, how the world is in opposition to God, then we can begin to see where we should be, right? And, yeah. and, and Romans and the word of God um, through the, the gospel helps us begin to separate ourselves from the world because the mindset of a Christian is different than the mindset of the world. The biblical worldview is very different than a secular worldview, but you have to get people to begin to separate themselves from that so they can kind of look at it, you know, as a, as a, as a opportunity for change. Because if we don't change ourselves and our worldview and how we see things around us, and of course, how we see ourselves, then we can never do what Jesus did which is love our neighbors as as he loves us and to love our God with all of our heart, our mind, our strength. Yeah. I tell people it's simple. It love God and love people. Basically that's, that's what he said to do. Uh, No, I love what you said. Um, I love you said, I've I've heard it referred to, I think as the Roman road, Mm -hmm. a way for Mm -hmm. us, a way for us to to learn. And you, you mentioned the word epistles in case there's no, in case there's people out there not quite sure you're talking about the letters written Mm -hmm. by the apostles and the, and the disciples of Christ. Um, And, and I agree with all of that. And then also to be open and to listen. Um, It's interesting because, you know, I was home. I mean, I was working from home, you know, mm-hmm. and I have my computer here and this computer happens to be loaded with audition. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm going to learn this. <laughs> and I've been wanting to do, I've been wanting to do a podcast, but there was always something in the way or it was too hard to figure out. It was always something, right? Mm-hmm. So here I am at home and I said, okay, I'm going to figure out how to do this. And it's going to be on what I call the intersection of politics, beauty, and hair. <laughs> and that's what I, that's what I wanted to do. And it's, and it's a good subject and, and may, I may well do that. And God told me, yeah, you're going to do a podcast, but it's going to be on joy, not what you just said. Mm-hmm. And I said, hmm, okay, all right. Um, and I tell people that he gave me the name for the show and I know he did because it is grammatically incorrect. And I know that. 
<laughs> of course I would know that. That's right, you would. I mean, it should be positively joyous, but that's not what he told me. <laughs> and so so I would yes. say be open to be open to that inner dialogue, you know, where he, I mean, if this is something that I've struggled with to hear him. I went, I used to hear him very well as a as a as a young girl. Mm-hmm. And then I grew up, got in the world, all of that, and I felt like I wasn't hearing him. So for the last few years, I have re- I've done some um, some workshops, and I've really tried to center myself, open myself, and listen for his still small voice. And yes. it is hard. I mean, I'm definitely not. You know, there are other people who are have more discernment than I do, and so I I don't have much. But you know, I really do try try and do that. And um, and when you do, you know, and when you are active in that, he he will come through. So I would I would yes, encourage yes, people to do that. And that's how I started this podcast on joy, not on beauty and politics, which is still a good idea, by the way. Um, and then it being called positively joy. So, you know, that's that's that is true. All of that is true. Well, you know, he he's laid that anointing on you, you know, because you <laughs> listen, you know, and and you mentioned listening, and I think listening is critically important. Not only listening for the voice of God, which, as you said, it's a still small voice. You know, often mm-hmm. people think God is going to talk to them in a thunderclap, right? Yeah, or no. he will talk to them, you know, through a media shower. He'll talk to them through something very demonstrative. But mm-hmm. scripture says God has a still small voice and it will come to us when we pray and meditate in quiet. That's why, you know, uh, in Matthew, God, uh, Jesus said, go to your hidden place, go to your closet, Mm-hmm. Essentially, go to your prayer closet and pray because there you'll find that quiet time where you can hear a small voice. The other mm-hmm. thing you mentioned was, as I said, listening, right? Not only listening to for God's voice, but listening to other people who you can minister to. Mm. Yeah, because because sometimes we as Christians uh, and, and particularly as pastors or deacons or or evangelists, and I know I fall prey to this too, is that we're so eager, right? You know, to get, deliver the, the word of salvation. You know, we don't necessarily meet people where they are. Yes. Right? And so the greatest example of that is is in the Gospels, where you know Jesus fed the five thousand. You know, he needed to feel their stomachs first before he could feel their hearts and their minds. Mm-hmm. And so it is important to listen to what people need first. And then you can minister them to minister to them when they are listening to you. But you have to get them where they are. Uh, and the scripture, and we hear this all the time, you know, come as you are. You know, and when we come as we are to Christ, then we can listen to what he has to say, but as ministers and as disciples, we have to meet people where they are and listen to them. So true. And and you are doing that by, by listening in your prayer calls and understanding what people need, what they're asking for in their prayers, and then responding to that by using your YouTube channel mm-hmm. um, to, to send out that message that would be most fitting for those concerns. And so you're doing that and that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, you know, that's one of the things that I learned as a journalist, right? As a reporter, <laughs> you got to listen, right? In order to do the reporting, you've got to be able to listen in multiple ways, you know, yeah. listen. And I, and I remember telling kids this, uh, younger people, uh, younger journalists, listen with your eyes, right? Just don't listen with your ears. Listen with your eyes so you can discern what is going on around you. Yes. So that you'll be able to then address what is happening as a reporter. You just do the reporting. But as a minister, see what people need and serve that need first. And then once they are alongside you, 
then you can begin to minister to it. Mm, so true. Uh, you create this content that is so important and so needed. Um, do you have a favorite scripture that you stand on? I do. I have several, uh, but my favorite, and I and I have this, uh, and I actually, my my family knows this because I've done my uh, my uh, work uh, to prepare for for my going to glory, right? And mm. so what I what I have told them is I said on my tombstone. Uh, and I'm I'm not so sure I want a tombstone at this point. I may just want cremation, but on my tombstone, I want to Romans 8, 28. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And so, you know, we know that, you know, we are called to be, and I'm not, I'm not quoting it exactly, but we know that, you know, those who love the Lord who are called according to his purpose will 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 be blessed. Mm-hmm. And so you know, Romans 8, 28, and again, Romans, Romans Road, right? Yeah. Romans teaches us a lot of things. And I actually, my, my favorite chapter in Romans would be chapter eight. But we all know that those who are called by the Lord recognize his voice, recognize mm-hmm. what he would have us to do. And if we listen to his voice and follow his will, then he will grant us whatever we seek in this life. Mm. Um, and so that's really important for me to to help people understand that if we stand on his word, then he will he will take care of us no matter what he will take care of us. Mm. Well, I think that's a perfect way to uh, to end in this. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. I love what you're doing. I love the work you're doing. Um, and I, you know, I, I it resonates with me and, and what you've what you've done and what you've the path you've walked resonates with me because there's some similarities, but I think it also can resonate with a lot of other people. So I appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Welcome. One one other thing about the similarities in in our lives. My youngest sister's first name is Yvette. It is. It is. It is. Uh, And you pronounce it correctly. I know some people don't. They see the why. What? All right. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yvette's my younger sister. So I've always had an affinity for, for keeping up with you because whenever I see your name pop up, you know, on social media, whatever I said, that's that's somebody close to my heart. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, you keep doing what you're doing. Uh, in the show notes, I will provide a link to the YouTube channel okay, and, uh, you. and, the, and the good work you're doing. So... Yeah, just keep it up. And and blessings to you and your family. Amen. Well, thank you very much. Blessings to you. Godspeed. Godspeed. Take care. Blessings. Blessings.